It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Sego, Ani, and welcome. This is Moment of Truth on 106.5 Element FM in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. I'm Kathy Sabokin filling in today for David Moses, and we are diving into the results of last night's federal election. I'll be speaking with Dr. James Cullingham, a documentary filmmaker and instructor at the Cheney-Wenjack School for Indigenous Studies at Trent University. Element FM political reporter Caroline O'Neill is standing by and University of Toronto political science professor Dr. Nelson Wiseman. But first, a breakdown of what happened. Justin Trudeau's Liberals managed to win re-election last night, but they've been reduced to a minority government with 157 seats. Here's part of Trudeau's victory speech. You are sending our Liberal team back to work, back to Ottawa with a clear mandate. We will make life more affordable. We will continue to fight climate change. We will get guns off our streets and we will keep investing in Canadians. Now, later in his speech, Trudeau spoke of uniting the country, saying he will work to win back the trust of Canadians who did not vote Liberal, particularly in the Prairie Provinces, where the party was virtually shut out by the Conservatives and won NDP win. All total, Conservative leader Andrew Scheer remains leader of the opposition with 121 seats, and he made clear in his election night speech that he intends to hold Trudeau's feet to the fire. And remember... Remember 2004, Stephen Harper's first election. He erased Paul Martin's majority and then went on to lead a conservative government that lasted for nearly 10 years. This is how it starts. Meanwhile, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh won re-election in B.C.'s Burnaby South riding, but his party lost ground and was nearly wiped out in Quebec. All in, the NDP lost 16 seats and now has 24 ridings. Here's Jagmeet Singh. The real winner of this election is not a party or a leader. The real winner of any election should always be the people, and that means Canadians. Singh is potentially in the driver's seat with his party holding the balance of power, But he has signaled the NDP will fight plans to expand the Trans Mountain Pipeline, which the Trudeau government bought for $4.5 billion. Now, the Greens, meanwhile, they will have three seats in the House of Commons, retaining the Vancouver Island seats of Leader Elizabeth May and Paul Manley, but also snatching a surprise riding on the other side of the country in Fredericton, where Jenica Atwin was elected. And May says she was pleased with the results. For the record books! This is the best election result that any Green Party in any first-past-the-post system has ever had. This is the best result ever. And we enter Parliament as the first caucus in the history of our Parliament that is two-thirds women. Just saying. May says she plans to hold the Liberal government's feet to the fire over the issue of climate change. The Bloc Québécois is back with official party status after claiming 32 seats. Former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould has reclaimed her seat in Vancouver Granville and will sit as an independent. We accomplished together something extraordinary. We accomplished showing Ottawa, showing our political process that independent, strong voices matter and that we can do politics differently. Jane Philpott, the former Health and Indigenous Services Minister who quit Cabinet in solidarity with Jody Wilson-Raybould and was then expelled from the Liberal caucus, 
Not so lucky. She was defeated in Markham Stouffville by former Ontario Health Minister Helena Yatsik, and she won the riding for the federal Liberals. Carolyn Bennett, the incumbent Liberal Minister for Crown, Indigenous Relations and Northern Affairs, has won the race for Toronto St. Paul's for the eighth time. One of the youngest MPs in the country is 25-year-old Mumalak Kakak. She ran for the NDP in Nunavut. The new government won't have much time to catch its breath with impending ratification of the United States-Mexico-Canada free trade deal by the U.S. Congress and the upcoming Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit in Santiago de Chile. Well, were the results a surprise? The political experts are ready to weigh in. My first guest, Dr. James Cullingham. James is president of Tamarack Productions, a documentary film company, and he's an instructor at the Cheney Wenjack School for Indigenous Studies at Trent University. James, welcome to Moment of Truth. Were you surprised by the results? I was surprised in that I expect liberal majority, but uh, the minority um, certainly uh, is a strong minority, but I can't say I was surprised. Um, other than I would say the NDP was weaker um, than the polls had led me to believe they would be. Right, well, it's the 905 that gave Justin Trudeau and his liberals the push. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, for some reason, people south of the 401 um, all voted liberal. And um, for reasons that uh, escape look at politics in this country, neither the Conservatives nor NDP could mount a decent campaign uh, in downtown Toronto. Yeah, I was really curious about that. What is it about the Conservatives, about Andrew Scheer, that just didn't resonate? Yeah, this morning, Doug Ford is, I mean, I think that, you know, the Prime Minister should be sending him a thank you card because uh, that was poison for Scheer, whether it was fair or not. Um, I mean, certainly even in the riding where I live, the Liberal candidate opened her mouth. She said Doug Ford and and linked Scheer to Ford. Now, of course, one is provincial, the other is federal. And, um, uh, but that's what Scheer got tarnished with, counted most in the GTA and particularly downtown Toronto. I mean, the Liberals swept those writings two elections in a row. I don't think historically, well, I certainly can't remember a, a moment in my lifetime when that has happened. The 905 votes, going back to that, are they were that the NDP lost some potential seats because voters were being strategic in saying, you know, we don't want the Conservatives, so we're going to vote in the li- the Liberals. I might not particularly might be thinking, but they're just being strategic. Well, I think some people claimed they were going to vote strategically. Um, the Liberals certainly promoted that idea. The NDP pushed back, but it uh, clearly... It did not strategic area because uh, the Liberals held on to those seats. And the Conservatives, uh, the NDP had its own problems, but the Conservatives did not manage to do what Stephen Harper had done um, with the help of Jason Kenney when Kenney was in his cabinet to inroads to the um, new Canadian immigrant suburbs of Toronto. I mean, more of them went Liberal. Not all of them, but, you know, a, a lot of them. Right. And and why do you think that is? Perhaps because of the the refugees allowed into the country? So there's... Well, Canada, Canada allowed refugees into the country on other occasions. And um, 
frankly, at the end of the 2015 campaign, the policies of the Liberals, Conservatives, and NDP on that issue were not very far. Trudeau got all the credit, and uh, he became prime minister. And yes, Canada let in some Syrian refugees, but obviously there are hundreds of thousands, millions of refugees still hoping to get into Canada. So we'll see where the country's policies go on that front. Um, uh, once again, the Ford factor is important. Um, the fact that the provincial government came into power not that long ago and in a very ham-fisted way managed to alienate um, all kinds of people, including many of its own supporters, they are a progressive conservative government. Um, Cheer is a conservative leader federally, but uh, he paid the price for Doug Ford's unpopular policies in Ontario. That's a really, really great take, James. Now, the Liberals, they took a beating, even though they won with the minority. They lost 6.5 percentage points from the last federal election. Well, what happens now? What's the way forward for the Liberals in this situation as a minority government? Well, it's going to test acumen. You know, we're going to see what he's made of politically in a way that he has not been challenged before. The country is divided. Um, the Liberals had no representation in Parliament in Saskatchewan or Alberta, the last act. That's not a good situation. Uh, the Bloc Québécois won 30-plus seats in Quebec. And uh, the Conservatives won the popular vote. So um, it's going to be a challenge for Trudeau, but he's got a strong enough on certain issues. The NDP will support him. On others, the Conservatives will support him. And occasionally, even the Bloc Québécois will support him. So he can shop around. I actually wouldn't be surprised if this minority government lasts almost as long as a regular majority government. The way I see it in a minority government is that they won't get anything done because there'll be too many arguments going on. Well, um, if that's the case, there'll be an election sooner rather than later. And certainly... It's hard to see how the Liberals end uh, together on something like Trans Mountain. But the Liberals can, if they need to go back to energy policy, um, the the Conservatives will support a developmental um, extractionist uh, policy. So the other um, elephant in the room is that um, there's still uh, investigations going on concerning SNC-Lavalin. And, um, you know, if something erupts there, uh, that could be very, very bad for Trudeau. I mean, obviously, the Liberals, second majority, they didn't get one. But I believe they ended up at 156 or 157. Um, Not that far from 170. It's not like they barely squeaked through. The Conservatives, on the other hand, you know, I mean, sheer made gains. But one could also say that he could have been a victory in the last five days of the campaign. Now, the Bloc, let's focus on them for a moment. The Bloc Québécois back with official party status. Would you say they're back for good? Well, I think that English Canadians always like to say that separate movements uh, has been defeated in Quebec. And uh, as a historian of Canada, I just know that's never the case. You're always going to have 30 to 40 percent minimum people self-declare as sovereignists. So their votes um, will find a home. And in this particular circumstance, I mean, I think that Blanchet ran the best campaign and he was rewarded for it. He was very strong in the debates. I've watched them in English and French. I speak French. I listened to him. His speech last night was 
certainly the most eloquent and politically intelligent. All the leaders' speeches, you know, to his particular audience, uh, championing his point of view, he pulled it together very, very well. So um, it's going to bring out the um, anti-sovereignty side, of which will help him in English Canada, but he's got a very difficult task in Quebec. Um, like his father, the feelings and political attitudes of people in Quebec are going to rub up against liberal policies elsewhere in the country. Now, you mentioned you thought Blanchet ran a good campaign. Would you say NDP also ran a good campaign? He seemed to have a lot of a lot of voter support, seemed to. But in the end... Yeah, he came from... Yeah, I mean, when you think of where he started, he had a half-decent campaign. There was a bit of euphoria in the last couple of weeks and the polls all showed uh, greater strength than it turned out in terms of their popular vote. But one cannot underestimate the disaster that happened to the NDP in Quebec. I mean, you can't claim to be a national party when you can't win seats in Quebec. And that was the breakthrough that Jack Layton and Thomas will care. And last night it was lost. Uh, it's going to be extremely difficult for Singh to get that back. Um, I was kind of amazed by his bizarre overly long speech, which almost seemed like a victory. I mean, he lost, what, 15-plus seats? And he got blown out of the water in Quebec. Um, so what's the party about? Um, and, um, you know, they have a challenge. Um, and uh, I think Singh at least convinced Canadians that he deserves to be a national leader. But unfortunately for the NDP, he did not produce the results that uh, would line up with that perspective. But he still has an important role as... Oh, it's a very important role. Yeah, yeah. So where will that role... Well, I think he's going to push the Liberals on um, Indigenous policy. I think he's going to push the Liberals on Colts Martin. Um, I think he's going to push the Liberals on uh, electoral reform. So those are among um, the issues that the NDP might want to try and hold the Liberal government's feet to the fire over. The you know the weird thing is that Canadian Trudeau, what he said he was going to give them after 2015, because a minority government is what you know with the kinds of checks and balances that we now are going to have, because you got the BQ. Trudeau is going to have to satisfy one or both of them fairly regularly to stay in power. Um, and occasionally the Conservatives and those will agree, particularly on economic policy, because I don't know how quickly the Conservatives are going to want another election, although Scheer was uh, pretty, sounding pretty feisty last night, but um, we'll see. What about other MPs who might support Indigenous issues? Because there were quite a few Indigenous candidates, but they didn't get in. Most didn't. Well, I think the Grassi Nero situation, the, I think, very negative decision of the current, well, of the government that was re-elected. Right. I, thought Rudy, I really right. thought Rudy Turtle would be elected, yeah. and it was very close for a while. Up in uh, northwestern Ontario. Yes. Yes, it was close. Yeah, well, um, Grassy Narrows. Yeah, we didn't get that representation that uh, the country probably, you know, the, the kind of liberal vision that Canadians have of themselves. Uh, people probably think, oh, there should be more Indigenous MPs. Well, I don't know the exact numbers, but it looks like a lot last night. And um, 
people, you know, after during the debates and stuff, it seemed like the NDP was getting um, the wind in its sails by exposing some of the um, contradictions or failures that uh, government um, had shown in that respect and on Indigenous policy. But uh, it didn't happen. So, uh, you know, Trudeau says he's taking it seriously. Um, I guess it depends upon the opposition to um, to hold them to account and for people. Well, Jody Wilson-Raybould did get did get a seat in Vancouver Granville. So Absolutely. we do have one Indigenous MP and one from yeah, no, well, none of it also. But Jody Wilson, yeah. what do you think? Well, I think it's great. Um, I think she deserves to be in Parliament shamefully. And um, I think she's a courageous woman. And, um, you know, it's how much power does an independent MP have? Uh, I guess we're about to find out because I can't think of a time when we've had one with the kind of the um, immediate, important political um, uh, significance of Jody Wilson-Raybould. I mean, the, the person who challenged Justin Trudeau most directly uh, in his first mandate, was indigenous uh, ancestry and identity in his own cabinet. She gets kicked out, but now she's reelected. So I, I suspect we have not heard. Obviously, we have not heard the last from Jody Wilson. No, no. And I, and I, you know, I, I admire her. Really. I have to say, I admire her too. She's one person, but she's one strong voice. And she yeah. can speak for a lot of people. On her own. She yeah. holds her own, that's for sure. So good for her. She really deserved that. Adam yeah. Vancouverden and Milton pushes out conservative Lisa Raitt. I was listening to him being interviewed. He says he started campaigning a year ago, and he, he says, yeah, you know, there's some factor of voter recognition because he's an Olympic athlete, former. But do you think he was pushed out or because of his campaign? Well, I heard him interviewed last night. I didn't follow that campaign in Milton at all. I knew he was a candidate. Um, I think for people who are want to champion um, the uh, representative politics, rate is a loss. I mean, she is a strong, effective MP, um, you know, conservative, uh, but still uh, female and uh, very articulate. So, I mean, it's a loss for the conservatives. Um for the Liberals, and um, from what I saw on television last night, he seems, you know, to be political deeply into his pores and uh, very, very presentable and confident and uh, ambitious. So we'll see where he goes. I I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Were there any surprises for you last night? I think the... um, the relatively poor showing of the NDP was a surprise. Um, I could do poorly. They did. Um, and um, I think that uh, other than that, there was no huge surprise. I figured the Liberals were good for somewhere between 150 and 175, and that's where they ended up. Among, I was predicting a, uh, a very slim Liberal majority, as I said earlier. Earlier, that didn't happen. Uh, but um, I think that uh, Doug Neat Singh needs to think long and hard about some of the decisions he made in the first two years of his, because 
for reasons for which some of which he's responsible, no one really knew who he was until after the first English language that's debate. True, yeah. and, you know, and, and that's no way to uh, to become a national leader. What's next for Trudeau? Well, he has to come up with a new cabinet. I mean, he lost Ralph Goodale, you know, uh, Captain Saskatchewan, um, and there are other changes that are forthcoming. So we'll see uh, what the cabinet looks like. Um, and um, uh, are, are named, uh, he's going to have to... I don't think people, including leaders of the opposition parties, want another election anytime soon. So I think he's got breathing space for 18 months to two years. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised, as I said earlier, if, it, if he lasts longer. He does have 157 seats. Um, you know, that's not far from the majority. He can find those other 13 votes in any number of ways, depending on the issue. Well, thank you so much. Enjoyed talking to you and really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, Kathy. Take care. Have a great day. Interesting, really interesting ride coming up for everyone. Stop you boring, I don't think. Take care. Dr. James Cullingham is instructor at Cheney Wenjack School for Indigenous Studies at Trent University. Up next, Element FM Parliament Hill reporter Caroline O'Neill. Welcome back to Moment of Truth on 106.5 Element FM in Toronto and on the Radio Player Canada app or our website, elementfm.ca. That's E-L-M-N-T-F-M.ca. I'm Kathy Sabokin filling in for David Moses. And my guest, Caroline O'Neill. She's Element FM's Parliament Hill reporter based in Ottawa on 95 Point Caroline. Thanks for having me, Kathy. It was quite a night for you, I would imagine. It was. It was a little longer than I was used to, but it was exciting all the same. I spent the night at a few of the different riding parties here in Ottawa, checking out to see how people were voting. and what Tell us what you experienced. I think the maybe the most high-profile riding party I went to was for Ottawa Centre, and that's held by Catherine McKenna, who was not only the incumbent Liberal Member of Parliament, she was also our Cabinet Minister for the Environment, so in a but also very contentious portfolio. And she ended up victorious, and she won by a higher margin than I think most people were expecting. The race she was in was projected to be quite tight, but at the end of the night, that really wasn't the case at all, so it was a very relaxed atmosphere full of high spirit. Great. And then you went to another one. Another ride. That's right. So I fin that's right. So I actually finished my night over at Ottawa Center, but I first started off in Canada Carlton, which is a riding that would be similar to the idea of Markham Stoville, a little closer to where you are. So a very big but then also more of a rural portion. And people were, I think, a little a little curious to see how the voting would turn out. But the night ran in the favor of incumbent Karen McCrimmon, who is also a Liberal Member of Parliament. Now, I was actually at her opponent's returns party, Caffrey, and she's well known in Ottawa as a very famous dress designer. And she actually designed dress, dresses for one of our former Prime Ministers, Stephen Harper's wife, Laureen Harper. But it was not really a successful night for Ms. McCaffrey. But she probably looked great. <laughs> no, she was good to go. But I think people really had put their faith in Karen McCrimmon, so that's where it stayed. And then last but not least, I was in Ottawa Vanier, where Mona Fortier had a lot of pressure on herself to be re-elected. She's also a Liberal Member of Parliament, and Ottawa Vanier is no wronghold in the country. It has had a Liberal Member of Parliament 
all the way back to the 1930s, and it was actually once held by a very popular member of Parliament, Morel Belanger, who passed away during the most recent parliamentary session. So not only did Fortier have the pressure of holding on to that look, she also was looking to be elected for her first full session, and she was successful in that as well. Any surprises for you in, in the Ottawa area? You know, I think we're going back to Catherine McKenna's writing, she was in a very contentious race. I'm not sure how many paying attention at the local level, but she started off her campaign launch, Kathy, with a very tough weekend. She actually needed RCMP security assigned to her after people were shouting at herself and her family in public. And as I said, she has been the face of a lot of criticism, especially given what was happening. But I think her supporters were very happy to see that she was able to win the riding rather handily, because I think it must have been a very stressful campaign, not just for herself, but for her family. And that was something she said. She said she knows it was a tough campaign for Canadians, but she also knew that at home it was a tough campaign too. RCMP. She did. Yeah, she did. So there was an incident um, in her riding. She was with her children. She has three young children, and she was taking them to a movie just as the campaign was launching. Probably one of the last times she'd be able to have someone on one time before the campaign launched. And somebody came over and started driving by the car and started yelling at her. And she has been the target of a lot of social media abuse as well. People have often referred to her in a very derogatory term. They call her climate Barbie. And again, a lot of that is spewed by some of the vitriol over the carbon tax and the different approaches to the environment. My goodness. So for her, I think this was a very meaningful win. Yes, I would think. All right. What surprised you about the election last night? Um, I was surprised that the Liberals had such a lead in their minority. You know, with the polls, it kept on showing of so neck and neck. And it seemed like there were all of these different avenues and different possibilities for coalitions and different types of government. But that really wasn't the case. Although the Liberals did not win a majority, I was surprised with the high numbers that they managed to win. And they kind of stayed that way fairly early on in the night. And that was very surprising. And the Conservatives in the polls, they always had a slight edge. I was surprised exactly. too. Exactly, flipped the other that way. That was a surprise. But I think something that we will be hearing from Mr. Shear will be that he won the popular vote, right? And I think when we go back to that Justin Trudeau and the first past the post system, I think we're going to be hearing a lot more about that. Now I was following an interesting campaign, and that was up in none of it. And you mentioned earlier yeah. we were talking on the phone about this. Yeah, tell us. So this was incredibly good reminder that, again, this was a very contentious election for a lot of people, but none of it really showed a lot of hope for the future of politics. So first of all, it was all female candidates running against each other. And early this morning, because it was a very close race, early this morning, a 25-year-old became one of our youngest members. Her name is Mumla Kagak, and she was elected as an NDP candidate. And I think that's incredibly inspiring. I'm the same age as her, and I can't imagine the amount of work that she put into this campaign, and now she'll be representing Nunavut, all of Nunavut, I should say, because they have just one member of parliament, all of Nunavut in the House of Commons very soon. But she's also an Indigenous voice, and there are she is. very few right now. In Very few right now, because there were a few Indigenous peoples who lost their, um, lost their elections last night. Among them was Liberal Robert Falconowet. And not only she's an Indigenous person herself, but she was running against all Inuk candidates as well. So that was a very uplifting riding to watch because you could see that that's a little bit more looking ahead to the future of elections where we may see candidates running or where there will only be people of color running. And I think that was very unique and it didn't maybe get the the airtime that that riding deserved. Right. And it's the largest riding in Canada, I believe. Yes, it's an incredibly large riding and it does, 
you know, and it's interesting that for such a large riding, there's just that one person and it's such a diverse riding as well. And it'll be very interesting to see what Kogok does with that position. And I should say this, although she is becoming a member of parliament for the first time, it's not her first time speaking in the House of Commons. She was actually a delegate back in 2017. And she was one of just a few women who had the chance to speak in a version of a question period. And she talked about issues that really matter to her, specifically talking about how the suicide crisis impacts Inuit communities and her own community. Fantastic. Such a young voice, I think, in the House of Commons. So good for her. And and for the voters, too. Good voice to put in there. And to your point about her, exactly. And to your point about her voice, that was what really set her apart. She said that she wanted to run as a candidate for the NDP because she would just let her be herself. And she wasn't afraid of being outspoken on the campaign. She also wasn't afraid about being emotional and she wasn't afraid about sharing who she is and how she feels and what matters to her. And she would do that at all candidates meetings. She would do that at debates. She would do that while she was knocking at the doors. And so I think she really resonated. Jody Wilson-Raybould. We have one independent. She's the one. Were you following right. that? Right. So this- This is very interesting, Kathy. Um, You know, this is certainly a win that is very meaningful for for Jody Wilson-Raybould. I do wonder if the Liberals are now a little concerned about some of that, because she could play a big role in this, right, every time they try to pass legislation. But as you said, although this is a win for Jody Wilson-Raybould, she's now on her own as an independent. And I imagine that will be incredibly difficult. When she was an independent before the writ was issued, there were quite numbers of parliament. All of those uh, politicians either lost their writings last night or they chose not to run again. So she'll be forging a path all on her own. If she was in a tight race, too, was touch and go, wasn't sure she was going to pick up that seat, but she did. I think she must feel very validated that the people of Vancouver Granville appreciated what she did during the SNC-Lavalin affair. Yeah, she earned that seat. Exactly. I think she must really feel that way. We'll have an ally in Elizabeth May. Elizabeth May has been at some of her campaign stops. She was a guest at Elizabeth May's wedding. And May also offered her the chance to run as a Green Party candidate. So I do think that she will have an ally there. But otherwise, I think it'll be neat because in a way, Wilson-Raybould can really set for what an independent politician means. So I think we can figure out, you know, what does that mean for the constituents? Are they getting somebody who can represent their voice? Or are they getting somebody who doesn't have the same access to resources as a cabinet minister or somebody who's part of a party? Exactly. All right. There was this I know you were following just because you were personally interested, I think, and that was the Adam Vancouverden race. That's in right. Milton. So that was a very interesting race. Yes, in Milton. And I think you know, that was one that I had been following a little later in the game, and I didn't realize it was such a tight race. Lisa Ray was a conservative incumbent. She is very high up in the conservative party. And I don't think the conservatives have been talking about yet what a loss that will be for them, because now Andrew Shear will be looking to find a new person to become his deputy. Wright had spent 11 years as a member of parliament for that. But I think she actually handled herself beautifully last night in her concession speech. I think she saw this was coming. And she said that she's just happy to celebrate the fact that Milton gave her 11 years to be their member of parliament. Yeah, she was very graceful in her thanked everyone. And yes, yeah, she'll be a voice I think will be missed, actually. I I do, too, because I think that now they're going to have to start already can fill her voice. Lisa Raitt was incredibly strong on days when 
Andrew Scheer was not the House of Commons. She would often take over for him. She also really became the face of the Conservative Party during the SNC-Lavalin affair because she sat on the House of Commons Judges Committee. And you could really see that she was a lawyer shone through when she was questioning people like Jerry Butts or Michael Warnock. What were some other pockets of the election that you were following? You know, one that I was really interested in, along with Jody Wilson-Raybould, would be Jane Philpott, because I think I was curious to rise of independent politics. And I think Jane Philpott had a very tough night last night. She tearfully conceded she came in third place in Markham Stouffville, and she wrote um, a, a, lengthy, a lengthy blog post this morning just sharing the fact that she is heartbroken, but she also does believe that change can be on for doing politics differently in Canada. And again, I think that we're kind of at this interesting impasse where on the one hand with Jody Wilson-Raybould, we saw people were interested, but on the other hand with Jane Philpott, she, she had a tough night last night. The block, strong. Thoughts they're on that? And they're very strong. You know, I was actually, David and Moses and I were talking about this a few weeks ago. I was actually at the English language debate and Yves-Francois Blachette was one of the, he was one of the leaders who was participating in the debate. And I have to say he could not have better. He was charismatic. He was funny. I think because he never talked so much about separation, but focused more on Quebec provincial pride, he really, I think, endeared himself to a large variety of voters. And he had the chance to introduce himself to Canada. So I didn't have high numbers, but I'm not surprised that people found themselves turning to the Bloc Québécois. But obviously that came at a great cost for the NDP. It sure did. Now, are you suspicious a little bit about the Bloc? Do you think there is you know, going to be talk of separation again, or are you going to you think, with his policy of provincial pride? You know, it's it's a good question, right? Because I think that's one of the things we've been seeing a lot in this election, Kathy, is sometimes that coded language where people will say things in perhaps a very bland way, but we don't necessarily know what they mean or what they are. And I think that represents no one more than it does Yves-Francois Manchette, because I think he came across as just so well-tempered, but we will certainly see. I also think for a minority government, it's really interesting to see the role that he'll play in, because even though the NDP took quite a hit, it can be very powerful in this minority situation. But Yves-Francois Blanchet has made it clear that he does not want to prop up a minority government. His interest is to Quebec and to Quebec only. And it's not just him as the leader, right? Now there are 32 different members of parliament who will be going back to very different constituents. Their job is to share the sentiment of those constituents, right? So as opposed to, I think it was the three we had last time, now there are going to be 32 different voices sharing very different perspectives, right? And who knows what those will be. Absolutely. Let's look at Atlantic Canada. Land on there. They picked up a green. They did. They picked yeah. up a green and they made history with that, with yeah. Jenica Adwin, and certainly made it a very happy night to start off for Elizabeth May. Um, another person, though, who regained their seat was Seamus O'Regan, who, when we last left uh, the parliamentary session, was the indigenous. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see the role that he'll play, right? Because he's been reelected along with Carolyn Bennett, who's the Crown Indigenous Relations Minister. And typically they work in tandem with the Attorney General, so a bit of an elephant in the room there because we know who the last high profile is. So it'll be interesting to see how that team is refocused. And I think for Seamus O'Regan, I'll be looking to see if he will retain that position as a cabinet minister or if perhaps there'll be some moving around there. Caroline, only 62% of Canadians went to the polls. It doesn't That's sound right. like a I- strong number, a strong voter turnout. No, in 2015. And I think there there are a lot of reasons for why 
that might be the case. First of all, we did see very high numbers with advanced schools. So I think it's important that we remember that 4.7 million people did vote ahead of the election. So those are really positive numbers. Yeah. And I and thought we're off to a really voting. Yeah. I thought, oh, it's going to be record voter turnout. Exactly. But not the case. And I think, you know, first of all, I think for Indigenous voters, the trust in Trudeau and the Trudeau government really collapsed. And we do know that last year there were many Indigenous voters who cast their ballots for the first time in government. And I do wonder how many people decided that they were not willing to engage with the system again because of what happened, right? When we look at the fact that we're, we have a nation-to-nation relationship, there are people who don't necessarily view themselves as a citizen of Canada anyway and may feel that they were exploited. So I think that would definitely be a reason for some of that lower voter turnout, especially. Right. They might feel, what's in it for me? Why should I bother to go to the polls? There's nothing in it for me. You've let me down. And now I can't be bothered. Exactly. And I think with the first past the post system, as we were talking about a little earlier, you know, millennials came out in droves and people think it was because of marijuana. (laughs) It was because of first past the post. And that was one of the very first things that the Trudeau government failed on. Right, the electoral reform. Exactly. So I think for people who are maybe already questioning, why does this matter or why does my vote matter? I think that probably solidified the deal for them, right? People expected that 2019 would be the very first election with proportional representation, and that wasn't the case. And I think they're not necessarily, it might not be as ingrained that they need to vote. And so I think that, if they felt that there was no system that represented them or represented the party they cared about, I think perhaps they would have found a reason to stay home. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what happens next? When do they go? When do they get to work? Typically we see that they get back to work in November after they're sworn in, but it's going to be interesting this time, right? Justin Trudeau has lost some key cabinet ministers, including Ralph Goodale and Amarjeet Sohi. And he's also not in a majority position. There's going to be lots of backroom conversations right now where he's looking to shore up support with different people. Predominantly, I think we're going to see that with the NDP. But Jagmeet Singh has also made it very clear that his support does come at a cost because he has his own platform and agenda that he's looking to Right. And he might be there to prop up the liberals. We don't know. But he's not going to support the liberals on the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Not he's at all. already said. No. He's already made that clear, and that could become a big point of contention, especially with the fact that there are 21 conservative seats as opposed to 95. I think that will make a huge difference. And when it comes to the Transmission Pipeline and how and the liberal approach, Justin Trudeau also knows he has no support from Elizabeth May and the three Green members either. But in regards to a minority government and the world Jagmeet Singh, he's also made it clear that he will be pushing for some of his own policies, including pharmacare and affordable housing. So again, that's it's not going to come free his support, there is going to have to be some sort of compromise. And I think that if that can be established early on, Canadians would be very happy to see a system reset because we saw last time that there was essentially no will to compromise. We saw some great bills that died in Senate because of that. And I think that if they can get the foundation this time rooted in compromise, it could be very different. And, you know, we mentioned before, I was at Catherine McKenna's campaign um, had won. And one of the things she mentioned was she knows Canadians are looking for a positive culture of politics. And I do think that's something they desperately want. And that could start with a minority government that is rooted in compromise. Well, Caroline, looks like you're going to have your work cut out for you. Are you looking forward to it? I am, but it was a great night for sure. And I think that, again, it's going to be a really interesting chance to see 
what the different politicians do with this new situation, because I'm sure many find it very limiting and perhaps full of constraints. But I think for Canadians, this does mean endless possibilities, because I think that reach out to your member of parliament now, you may have a better shot of your concerns being heard, because it's going to be a lot harder to fall back on party politics this time around. Well, hopefully they'll get things done and not just argue. And that is the risk that you really do run with a minority government. So it's certainly not a utopia. Former politicians who work in minority governments, and they say that it can look happy on the surface, but underneath it can be a different situation. So to hopefully that the politicians can overcome that and something very positive can come out of this new political situation. Well, thank you so very much, Caroline O'Neill. She's a reporter. And Caroline is based at Element FM in the Ottawa studio at 95.7. Up next, Nelson Wiseman, professor of political science at the University of Toronto. You're listening to Moment of Truth on 106.5 Element FM in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. Also on the Radio Player Canada app and our website, elementfm.ca. That's E-L-M-N-T-F-M.ca. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Moment of Truth on 106.5 Element FM in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, and also on the Radio Player Canada app. I'm Kathy Sabokin, filling in today for David Moses, and we're having a little post-election conversation. With me on the line right now is Professor Nelson Wiseman. He's a professor in the Department of Political Science. Thank you, Kathy. Were you glued to the election results last night? Well, I watched the results until... Yeah, I watched the results. I don't know if I was glued, but I guess I was. I wasn't watching any other channel. Well, what were your thoughts on the outcome? I thought I was surprised by the gap between the liberals and conservatives. I I thought, like most people, it would be a minority, but I thought, it, and I didn't know which party would win the minority, but I thought it would be a much narrower minority, that the gap between them wouldn't be over 30 seats. It was actually, I think, 36 seats. Um, my other surprise is that the Conservatives won more votes than the Liberals, but got fewer seats. And that's the first time that's ever happened in history. We've had a couple of times in elections in the 50s and when the Liberals got more votes, but the Conservatives got more seats and got to form the government. This time it was the reverse. And it's ironic because the had we had proportional representation, pure proportional representation, which we wouldn't get, but if we did, in theory, the Conservatives would have had the most seats. They would have had 116, and the Liberals would have had 111. And now also the Conservatives won the popular vote. How is that measured? Well, you just add up the number of people that voted for each party. Over 6 million voted for the Conservatives from the numbers I've seen, and just under 6 million voted for the Liberals. So it's just a straight percentage. You, straight you percentage. add up. Yeah, yeah, you look at the total number of votes. Okay, if there were... 25 million votes or 20 million, what was your percentage of all of that? They got 34%. Liberals, I think, had 33%. Only 62% of Canadians got out there and voted. What was holding them back? Well, that's interesting. I've been looking for the turnout numbers, and I haven't seen them. Well, actually, 62% has been about the average for the last 20 years. The last election was an exception. It was over 68. Historically, if we go right back to Confederation, and the numbers are not all that reliable because there are different ways of... But the average has been about 70%. But in the last 20 years, voter 
last 20, maybe 30 years, voter turnout has trended down. And there was one election not that long ago where we had just 58% voting. So I'm not surprised that voter turnout last election was exceptional because we had very high, exceptionally high youth turnout because of the promise of the legalization of marijuana and also because of Trudeau's fresher, younger image then. But that was then. That was 2015, a long time ago. Yes, that was then and this is now. Exactly. And Trudeau has seemed to have lost his luster. What's happened? Well, but he kept enough of the luster to triumph yesterday. And that's because the liberal votes were more efficiently distributed. The conservatives had a lot of wasted votes. They won a lot of ridings by huge majorities, and it didn't matter. And the liberals won a lot of ridings in Ontario, I think, by narrower margins, so they won more ridings. And uh, so the liberals are in power, and I virtually like a majority, because nobody's going to want another election. The parties don't have any money to run another election. The public will hold accountable and penalize anybody who causes another election right away. And uh, because the NDP, as it has, it can ensure that the Liberals will have a majority for passing legislation. However, the NDP might extract some concessions from the Liberals in exchange for supporting them. Were there any pockets of the election that you found interesting? Um, I haven't dived deeply into the numbers yet, but I, I expected the bloc was going to win a few more seats. And they did. Yes, but I thought they would win more than... Even- yes, yes, they were surging, and they ended up uh, with... Um, let's see here. They got... Um, 32 seats. I thought they were going to get closer to 40. I didn't think the Liberals would win 35 seats in Quebec, but a lot of that has to do with the split in the vote, because you can end up winning a seat by just getting one-third of the vote, or 30%, because you have so many parties competing, and it's whoever's nose is ahead. So you can win a riding by you know 50 votes, 100 votes. 60,000 vote ballots were cast. Um, what else? I thought the bloc really hurt the conservatives in um, in in Quebec, and I thought Maxime Bernier was probably going to hang on to his seat. I wasn't surprised Jane Philpott lost. Distant third, she did. And I'm not surprised that Jody Wilson-Raybould won because she had a much higher profile. And, she sure uh, did. She worked hard for that. Yeah. Maxime well, Bernier, you, you mentioned People's Party. What happens? Do you think that's a People's Party? Yeah, yeah, they're dead. There's nothing there. They don't even have a, they don't even have a seat in the House of Commons. So they're finished. I he mean, claims he, are, that they're just starting out. Well, I think they started and finished last night. <laughs> I mean, how do you start out their one seat? And I don't see how are they going to come from nowhere. At least they had a seat. But no, no, he's absolutely finished. Uh, I think politically, I, maybe, maybe down the road he'll join the Conservative Party again. I don't know. But he's the People's Party finished. Um, the Greens got three seats. I thought they would maybe win three or four. I was surprised that one of those seats is in Atlantic Canada. I didn't think, apparently, they won in Fredericton. I didn't think that would Yeah, happen. that was interesting. Yeah. That was interesting. And, and it's probably Elizabeth. My understanding is it's her last election. Now, it's going to be interesting because we have, now we have 
the west of Canada, conservative. There was pretty much a total sweep in Saskatchewan, except for one NDP seat. And there was a headline in the Calgary Sun this morning that says, Alberta, welcome to your nightmare, referring to Trudeau winning the minority government. So what happens now? We've got such division. Well, Alberta hasn't voted for the Liberals since the 1950s. The last election, I think they won four or five seats. That was exceptional because of the Trudeau wave. But when you take that away, when has Alberta voted for the Liberals? So it's been in power. It's been fine for them. And so now we're just back to normal. I'm actually surprised the NDP won a seat, kept its seat in Alberta, because the incumbent, I think Linda Duncan was her name, wasn't running the Conservatives to win all those seats. The problem or the challenge now for Trudeau is there's a tradition in Canadian politics and making a cabinet that you have somebody from every province. And when Justin's father was prime minister and the liberals didn't elect anyone or Alberta, so it ha- it's happened before, what he did is he took two senators, one from Alberta, one from Saskatchewan, people who were in the Senate, and put them in the cabinet on the idea that everybody, every province should have somebody at the cabinet table. And it is different, and I'm not sure Canadians would be as tolerant as now of having an unelected senator in the cabinet. So I don't know what is going to happen here. There won't be an Alberta or Saskatchewan voice at the cabinet table. That's for Trudeau. What are some other challenges he faces? I would think there are a few. Well, politics is unpredictable. Who who knew something like the SNC scandal was going to break? Who knew that photos of him wearing blackface surface? Although I don't think those figured in the election. So you can't predict what will happen. You can surmise, and I surmise that they'll continue governing as if they have a majority, because nobody is them and they know that, but they'll make some concessions to the NDP when it comes to the budget. That's what Paul Martin did with Jack Layton. The other thing that will determine how tough or soft they are with the NDP they stand in the public opinion polls. The politicians are looking at the polls all the time. So if they think that it's advantageous for them to try to bring down the government or to sustain the government, they'll do that. And uh, so that's that's what I expect. And we know Canadians don't want another election. I don't think you're going to have you're going to talk to anybody today who's going to say, "Gee, we need another election." And so um, I think this government will stay in place for probably maybe three years, like the last part of government did, unless something breaks that really damages the image of Trudeau and the Liberals, and then it whets the appetite for all of the other parties for an election. What about Andrew Scheer? You think he'll remain Conservative leader? It's up to him to begin with, but then it's up to the party. And one of the things that hurts Scheer and the Conservatives, I think, is that there was talk, there was a story in the Globe and Mail about two, three weeks ago that people were already talking about replacing him with Peter McKay. So that doesn't help. So the Conservative Party will decide in a convention whenever that comes. And um, it might be determined by where they think they stand in the polls at that time. So I, I don't know what will happen with Andrew Shear. I think it, it is sort of sad. 
and for both the liberals and conservatives, it seems you get one kick at the can now. If you lose the election, you're expected to leave. Once upon a time, leaders were there. And act, and, and in the small parties, it's not an issue. You know, Jack Layton lost a lot of elections, actually, but people didn't think they were going to get rid of him. They're not going to get, the NDP isn't going to get rid of Jagmeet Singh, uh, even though they lost uh, a percentage of the vote and they lost uh, 20 seats compared to last time. But do you think like it that. was because of Jagmeet Singh or just voting? Or because of the block and such a strong performance well, in Quebec? Well, it was a number of things. I mean, I, I knew that the NDP, I think they may have won one or two seats in Quebec. I, I wouldn't have been surprised had they won none. They won 16 last time. And Paul Mulcair, who had roots in Quebec, and selecting Jagmeet Singh, who was totally unknown in Quebec, and being a turban Sikh, given the attitude in Quebec toward people wearing religious symbols, it was like the NDP in the face. So that was no surprise. So they won 44 seats last time. If you lose 16, it's really hard to come back. I mean, at the beginning of the campaign, I thought they were only going to win 10 seats in the country. They ended up doing much better, and that was because he performed well in the debate. They had more seats. I didn't think they'd get, by the end of the campaign, I thought maybe they'd get 20. But something surprised me, like winning that seat in Alberta. Where do you see Jagmeet Singh's role now in the House? With such um, a slim, he has just a slim ease. Yeah, but... Uh, Is it uh, going to make a know, huge difference to the to the Liberals? Well, I mean, he'll... Uh, no, he's going to get attention. He's got... The, actually, now that people have seen him, and he's not a boogeyman, the NDP has potential with him. I'm not sure they'll ever recover in Quebec, and because Quebec makes up, you know, 78 out of the 338 seats, you really are not going to form a government without getting to Quebec. That's a problem the Conservatives have. I haven't seen. I know last time they won Conservatives seats in Quebec. I, I haven't seen the numbers how many they won this time, but I doubt it was more. And if it was more, it was barely more. No, I'm not sure it was more because I heard the Liberals won 35 and the Bloc won 30 two seats. So you start adding up those numbers, and I don't really see... That That killed the Conservatives. Also, the uh, Bernier's party, they got almost 2% of the vote. Those people would have normally voted Conservative. Now, back to the Conservatives. What do you think Andrew Shears? Where, where does he have to go to push his policies forward in the well, House? Well, he can't put... Well, not, look, uh, his policies aren't going to be adopted in Parliament. The Liberals are in charge. They'll do legislation. And his job as leader of the opposition will be to criticize. Oh, and he will. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. It's just yeah. going to be a real, a really interesting time coming up for all of us. Are right. you looking forward to it? Yeah. You know, I'm a scientist. I follow politics. Now, what just overall, this election compared to other elections... Did anything stand out for you? Well, what stood out for me is that the Conservatives got more votes than the Liberals than the Liberals. That was the big thing for me. And the other thing that stood out is that I didn't think the Liberals would have as large a, a seat count as they got. I don't think they expected it either. As mentioned. Now at Parliament Hill... Parliament has to get back to back to work. 
Well, that'll be up to the Liberals. They decide when Parliament will reconvene. There will be a speech from the throne, which will be around the um, of the kind of legislation they want to introduce. And Trudeau has to choose his new cabinet. Any choices yeah, that of, you have personally? I I know that Ralph Goodale uh, lost. I don't yes, know what other did. cabinet minister. Uh, well, so also um, was Natural Resources Minister Amarjeet Sohi also lost his right, seat. Right, right. That's not a surprise. I mean, he just won narrowly last time by, I think, 55 votes or something. So, you know, those are just two positions. I think there are about 35 people in the yeah. round. He will bring in some fresh people and, and drop some. But, you know, most of the big players he has, like Christia Freeland and Bill Morneau, they, uh, uh, are, are still going to be there. He may just shuffle them around a bit. We'll really, really appreciate your conversation. Thank you very much. That's Nelson Wiseman, professor in the Department of Political Science at the University of Toronto. Thank you so much. I also want to say nyawa miigwech wanishi and thank you to everyone who helps put Moment of Truth together. They include in Ottawa, Jill Kennedy, Aidan Wolf, and Caroline O'Neill. In Toronto, Janet Lamb, Andrew Johnson, Luca Capone, Kathy Zabokin, Bruce Barber, Andrew St. Germain. Nyawa miigwech and thanks for listening.